You are a magnetic group. You attract all kinds of great people. That's beautiful. On May 1st, 2012, I sent an email to Edwin Gaines. It said, good evening, Edwin. I first saw you speak at Bodhi many years ago, and tonight I'm rereading your book. On page 18, the last sentence of the first paragraph, you write, we certainly don't have to work a job we hate for it. She was speaking of money. I'm struggling with that. Do you really believe that? I'm 34. I have four children. I make approximately $100,000. I have $500,000 worth of debt. How could I possibly not work my current job, sacrifice a steady income and benefits given our circumstances? Admittedly, I can't see the forest from the trees right now. And she wrote back very promptly. Dear Lola, do you really think I would lie? I am amazed. I am amazed that you would ask me that question. My prayers are with you, dear. (laughs) How is none of my business? God knows how. If you do not believe that you could live a life of joy, then of course you can't. Maybe it is time for you to come to a retreat and rethink how you choose to live your life. I will tell you, this woman's book changed my life, and this email changed my life. It is not by accident that I saved it. It is not by accident that I reread it frequently. So we are in the midst of an extraordinary woman. Edwin, will you please come up here? now, (gasps) reach over and say something to your neighbor like this, I'm so glad you came here today for me, I needed you. (sighs) So the first thing I want to do now is I want to acknowledge this beautiful, powerful music team, oh my God. Thank you, God. And I want to just tell you, I'm in awe of Jonathan. I mean, oh my God, what a voice. So I want to give, I want to give Jonathan and, and the whole music team our highest Alabama compliment. Are you ready for this, sugar? <laughs> what we would say in Alabama is, honey, this morning, mm, you about blew my dress up. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My name is Edwin Gaines, and what I want you to know about me is that I am a woman of power. And I'm a woman of passion. And I care deeply about you and me and all of our brothers and sisters on planet Earth, and it's my full intention to make a difference on this planet. In 1976... I made a commitment to the Lord of my being, the goddess within me, that I would be 100% responsible for the transformation of the abundance consciousness of planet Earth. Thank you, God. I travel around the world now about 250 days a year. 
and I have done so for 30 years, enrolling co-equal laborers in this task. Now, I'm very clear that I don't have the foggiest notion how to do this. <laughs> but one of my teachers said to me, but Edwin, you didn't know how to do puberty either. <laughs> I mean, did you? Consciously, I didn't know how to be born. Consciously, I did not know how to give birth to a child, and yet somehow I was able to do those wonderful things. And what I know now with clarity and with certainty is that when any one of us puts our intention out there and we make a 100% commitment to that intention and make every step a step of impeccability, a step of integrity, then somehow the universe opens up a way where before there was no way. So let's take a deep breath, if you will, and let me share with you what I call prosperity. Prosperity for me is a vitally alive, healthy body for this God being that we are to express through. Prosperity is relationships that are joyous and satisfying and intimate and honest and nurturing and that work all the time. Prosperity is work that we love so much. It's not work, it's play. And prosperity is all the money we can spend. So would that work for you? If it would, then I'm going to ask you to humor me and give me a good old Alabama amen sister. All right, I'll take you home with me. So uh, several years ago, I wrote a book called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity, A Simple Guide to Unlimited Abundance. And in that book, I outlined my journey from real poverty, holes in my shoes, not being able to feed my baby, working two jobs, that kind of poverty, never having enough, eating peanut butter and crackers most of the time instead of real food, and that's good food, but you can't have it every day and be tickled with it. Uh, so my journey from that level of living to a level of living today that many would consider a life of great wealth. And I did so by coming into alignment with four very simple spiritual laws. Now, I understand you're going to have a class on this, uh, on thriving very soon. And I urge you to spend time with like-minded people and hang out with people that are focusing on, on making their lives work in every area. So in this book, I talk about those four spiritual laws and, and how I came into alignment with them, some of them more easily than others. Some were difficult for me to, to grab hold of, but I knew they were true. And, and so uh, I want to start with spiritual law number one because it was my hardest one. <sighs> Deep breath. We must acknowledge that God is my source. Say it with me. God is my source. Not your paycheck, not your MasterCard visa, not your spouse, not your inheritance, not your hope of winning the lottery. God is your source. Yep. So that's an easy thing to say, isn't it? But the law requires an action. And that action is in order for you to prove to yourself that you know that God is your source. We're required to return one-tenth of all that we've received back to that person, place, or institution where we've received our spiritual food. It's called the tithe, T-I-T-H-E. Now, the word tithe means a tenth. 
It does not mean 3%. It does not mean 7%. It does not mean what's left over after you pay the bills. It's one-tenth off the top, given back on a regular and disciplined basis to that person, that place, that institution where you've received your spiritual food. Now, what is, thank you very much, what is spiritual food? Spiritual food is that which causes us to remember who we are, wakes us up and shakes us up and gets us back on our spiritual pathway. And if you're fed through this ministry, your tithe belongs here, but only you know. Now, I knew all the reasons why I couldn't do that, you know. I mean, first of all, God doesn't need my money. And I can't afford to. And if I do that, I won't be able to feed my baby or pay my rent. And I think it's a trick to get my money, and they're not going to get it because I'm smarter than they are. (laughs) And my favorite Dr. Field question is, how's that working for you, Edwin? (laughs) So with great resistance and great fear, I began. And I'll tell you more about that this afternoon. But it was such an amazing journey for me. And now I love to tithe. And I've gone from poverty to a very, very lovely life with no debt, beautiful retreat center in North Alabama, drive a luxury car, travel first class, been everywhere in the world I've ever wanted to go, work with lovely people, have a staff of four full-time people and eight part-time employees now. And and, uh, I have beautiful retreats there. And life is so sweet. And I invite you to step up out of your comfort zone And trust God. And I hear almost from everyone, but Edwin, I can't. I'm afraid. What am I going to do? I'm afraid God won't be there for me. Well, folks, faith and fear cannot exist in the same heart at the same time. And you have got to choose which one you're going to go with. And if you really want to play at a larger level than you've ever played before, you will begin to trust God as source. And you prove to yourself, not to anybody else, you prove to yourself that you know that God is your source by giving your tithe where you're fed spiritually. Now hear me, I'm not talking about giving to charity. That's a very good thing to do, and we all do that, but that is not a tithe. I'm not talking about buying books and CDs and affirmation cards and giving them to your friends who need them. That's a very generous and warm-hearted thing for you to do. And as a matter of fact, I brought some along. I hope you'll do that very thing with. (laughs) But that is not a tithe. The mystics say that if you give your tithe to need, you're creating need in your own life. And I bet you know somebody who's so generous that they would give you the shirt off their back, and yet they live in poverty. It's because they don't understand the sanctity, the holiness of the first tenth. The first tenth is on loan to you by God to see if you're spiritually trustworthy around money. Now, take a deep breath. Some of the colors ring out of your faces, but you're doing really good. (sighs) We'll talk more this afternoon about that and answer all your questions. Spiritual law number two. We're required to forgive everybody all the time, especially ourselves. Now, how many of you know that you have some forgiveness work and it's time to do it? Let's see those hands. Yeah, good. Here's a test to see if you have any forgiveness work left to do at all. 
do you still have a body? <laughs> Pretty good giveaway right there. Now, I have done a lot of forgiveness work in my life, and I continue to work on it on a daily basis. And one of the things that I have noticed about my own forgiveness process is the only people that I ever have to forgive are those people who don't do things my way. And there seem to be a lot of them. And many of them drive in Chicago. I'm just saying. So one of my prayer techniques is every night before I go to sleep, I ask myself in prayer, have I put anyone outside my heart today? And, you know, usually I have. There's some poor soul that did not get Queen Edwin's edict about how to behave on planet Earth, so it's off for their heads. Mm. And so I have to, first of all, forgive myself. And please hear this part. Forgive yourself tenderly and gently the way you would forgive a little child. Don't beat yourself up. You're doing the best you know how to do. If you had known better, you would have done better. And then I have to forgive them for not understanding what my rules are. And then I have to look and see what, what's going on there. What's the situation here? For me, it is always the same issue. It is a control issue. I know how you ought to behave. Do you hear that? I'm working on it. Pray with me. <clears throat> so just take a deep breath and realize right now that when you hold on to your self-righteous anger or bitterness or blame or judgment or shame or guilt, when you hold on to that stuff, what you're doing is building a wall all the way around you as if you're building it out of those big, thick concrete blocks. And the good that you desire and deserve cannot get in. And every time you forgive the least little thing, every time you forgive any little tiny thing about yourself or others, you take away a block and more good can flow now into your life. There's nobody withholding your good except you. And you're in charge of that. Here's something you may not know. We'll talk a little more about this afternoon. All financial debt is about unforgiveness. Financial debt is a socially acceptable way to punish yourself. And when you no longer have a need to punish yourself, you will allow your debt to disappear. We'll do a little practice this afternoon and Begin the process of letting go of all that stuff. Spiritual law number three. We're only going to talk about three. We'll save all four for this afternoon. Spiritual law number three. We've got to set clear-cut, tangible goals. What do you want? What exactly do you want? Jesus the Christ said, ask and ye shall receive. He did not say, make me guess. Most people treat their catalog order store better than they treat God. Can you imagine calling up Penny's or Neiman's or Nordstrom's or whoever you're ordering from these days and say, Hey, uh, would y'all just send me something you think I'd like? <laughs> when you order from a catalog order store, you have to give them the, the page, the size, the fabric, the color, the number, all sorts of specific details. And yet we dare to go to God with this airy, fairy prayer and wonder why we get airy, fairy results. 
Remember this. What starts in vagueness stays in vagueness. (sighs) Catherine Ponder, who's been my mentor for many years, says the more specific you are when you set your goals, the quicker you will have your demonstration. So one day a woman called me. I'd, I'd done a workshop that day, and she called me after. She says, oh, Ed, wait, I'm so sorry. I did it wrong. Uh, you get a little gold sheet. And she says, I wrote down on my gold sheet, I want more love in my life. She says, I got home. My neighbor brought me over a pregnant dog. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not what she had in mind. And yet, her prayer was answered, was it not? She got exactly what she asked for. So be specific. It's an easy thing to do. We'll talk more about that this afternoon. Now, our workshop here starts at 1230. It's at 1215 up there to get here on time. So pretend it's 1215 and then be here, okay? So we're starting at 1230. We'll be through by 3. Um, there's no charge for the workshop. It's all on a love offering basis. I invite you, if you will, to go and call somebody that you care about. And ask them to be here with you today. It's a life-changing day. Now, I know that some of you may think that you have other plans. (laughs) I'm asking you, please, to let the Holy Spirit change them. I'd like to close this morning with a teaching given to us by a wonderful writer named Patrick Overton. Now, I know that you've probably heard this before. It's been around a while, but it it serves me. Mr. Overton writes, When you have come to the edge of all the light that you know, and you're about to step off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things will happen. There'll be something solid to stand on, or you'll be taught how to fly. Come fly with me at 1230. God bless.